both of us had some some pretty big issues with chafing during the race. And I remember sort of going up, you know, the second last peak, just having to take my shorts off, having to take my underwear off. And you know, I was basically wearing a T-shirt and nothing on the bottom. And, yeah, even then, I was still just <laughs> killing me. And you know, stuff like that, you know, it changes you. You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Guys, welcome back to the Run the Riot podcast, and we got a treat for you today. We've got another international guest. That's right. Yeah. Coming all to all the way from Hong Kong. Yeah, Hong Kong. And he's from Australia. Yeah, so his accent is really cool. Uh, his name is John Ellis. John Ellis is the 2019 Asia Trail Master Champion. Uh, he capped off the championship with a win on a 100-miler. Uh, I think it's called the Panoramic uh, 100 mile uh, in Thailand. And so John is an interesting fella. I love that we get to talk a little bit about the trail running scene out there. Um, and he is a busy guy. Not only is he a husband and a father, but he also, he's an, uh, an investment guy. <laughs> That's his full-time job. He's a full-time investment manager. He uh, is part owner of a running store and uh, he's founder of T8.run. You know, those cool commando uh, running underwear I'm always talking about that are super comfortable. Well, John's one of the guys that came up with that and they tested them out in the heat and humidity out there in Hong Kong and so uh, we talk a little bit about that and uh, yeah by the way uh, they're sponsoring this podcast and if you would uh, like to check it out you go to T8 that's the number 8 T8.run and um, just go and look for those commando charts they also have some other products that we'll be talking about but um, if you use uh, the code 50-runtheriot uh, you'll get a discount. So use that. Check it out. If you can't remember, look in the show notes and uh, I'll have it posted there with the links and everything else. But uh, so anyway, I just had a really good conversation with John. He's a good guy, strong runner. Uh, he's he's not quite as old as I am, but he's a little bit, I like talking to some of the guys that are a little bit closer to my age. I like that, you know, shows me that I can still keep kicking it when, when it's, uh, <laughs> when the age gets in there. But uh, good guy, strong runner, Amazing accent. Check it out now. John Ellis. All right. So today on the Run the Riot podcast, we have all the way from Hong Kong. He's sipping his morning coffee and I'm here in the afternoon. Uh, John Ellis, welcome to the program, man. Good day, Dave. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, so, um, man, I'm really interested in, in, in having you on here. You are last year, 2019, you got the Masters um, Asia Trail Running Championship. Did I get it all right? Did I get it? <laughs> pretty, pretty much, yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a, I guess a big sort of thirty race series called Asia Trail Masters, um, that's sort of run in races all across Asia. So you know, sort of Indonesia, Hong Kong, China, Philippines, Vietnam, Thailand, Singapore, Australia, and uh, I guess the runner who has the best five results gets to be crowned Asia Trail Master. And for, I was lucky enough that that was me last year. 
Uh, you see, I mean, say lucky, but I'm sure you put in some work, <laughs> you know, years of work. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. Like I, I, I generally sort of, you know, we have a pretty prolific season over here, and I don't do a lot of training, but I do a lot of racing. Um, last year was the first time that I actually had to put in some training. It, it's hard, you know. You sort of go into these other countries, you're not used to the conditions. You know, you're racing some pretty talented people, and you know, you've got to sort of beat them in their, you know, their their trails, their conditions, their heat. And yeah, I you know had a few early races. I got my ass handed to me, and um, <laughs> I realised that I had to put in if I was going to have a chance on this. Nice, nice. Well, so so you're there in Hong Kong. So uh, and from what I gather, you, you guys deal with pretty good humidity over there. So your training and all is is you know pretty pretty rough, right? Am, am I right on that? Yeah, like we we have we have the proper seasons. So the winter is actually the racing season. Um, okay. You know, to give you an idea, you know, during winter it might get down to sort of fifteen or twenty degrees Celsius as maximums. I'm not sure what that is in Fahrenheit, but you know, we still have pretty high humidity. It's usually you know seventy eighty percent the year round. And then in summer, it just it gets really hard. You know, we we can get up to thirty five degrees. You've still got that eighty percent humidity. And, um, yeah, you, it makes you tough pretty quickly. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, you have a lot of bonks and you learn a lot about yourself in, in tough conditions. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm from uh, South Louisiana. And uh, I, when I knew you and I were going to be, you know, uh, visiting, um, I was back back in South Louisiana uh, visiting family and I ran and it was a it was 98 percent humidity the first day I ran and it was 100 the next. And so I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I remember this, you know, tough, tough stuff, man. Yeah. So, yeah. So so I had to look at a map because, I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, it's it's ashamed to say but a lot of us you know in the united states you know we do all of our kind of racing and we know all of our areas and so you know i had to look you're originally from australia right okay and then and then and then now how long have you been in hong kong so now i've been in hong kong for actually almost 10 years yeah it's it's happened pretty quick Wow! Wow! So, how um, did before you moved to Hong Kong, you uh, you were in Australia. You were, you did a lot of road races, right? Yeah. Yep. Um. You know, when I was little, I grew up in Perth. It's on the west coast, and I did a little bit of it, little athletics. Um, you know, I was never a fast runner, and so I tended to like the longer stuff where I could sort of you know just. I guess, outgrind people. Um, and that's always been the case for me. You know, when I moved over to Sydney, I spent about seven or eight years there. Um, did a bit of road running. Um, nothing too serious until the end. I did a couple of, you know, fat ass style races. Um, there was one from Gosford down to Sydney, which was about 100 Ks. And they were just proper fat ass style. So no support, no nothing. You sort of ran by yourself. You'd drop into a petrol station, you'd get a pie, you'd get a Coke, you'd have them and you'd keep going. Um, I, like but I really it. enjoyed that experience, you know, just getting to see, you know, a lot of the place that you live in. Uh, and then when I got to Hong Kong, that's when it really took off because the trails here are just something else. Well, that's one of the things uh, I called up a map of, of Hong Kong because I heard so much about all the trails out there. And I'm thinking, you know, Hong Kong's got, what, seven and a half million people in it. Yep. And and but when you call it up on a map, there's so much green out there. Yeah. So it's um yeah it's crazy. Everyone thinks of Hong Kong as this concrete jungle, and um you know it's true when you're in the CBD and you're looking around, it's skyscrapers everywhere, and you know, you just can't imagine it. But um you know I live in the, I sort of work in the CBD. I can actually run for ten or fifteen minutes, and I get to a national park, a country park, and then you can sort of run trails. It's it's just amazing the convenience, um, and it all comes back to 
we had a, a British governor back in the 1970s called um, Governor McElhose, and he, I think he set aside these sort of 13 or 14 country parks which weren't to be built on, and, and we have that today. And so if you jump on Google Earth and have a look at the satellite view, you'll see that about 70% of Hong Kong is green. And that's one of the reasons, you know, you're right in the middle of this sort of concrete jungle, but then you've got all this green and sort of country trails just, you know, literally you know, on your doorstep. So, yeah, Hong Kong, concrete jungle. I mean, most people, you know, live, I mean, you probably you're in an apartment, sky rise yep. apartment and stuff. Yeah, everybody's just kind of packed in there. But what a what a cool blessing that you get to still get out there on the trails and see some green, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. Like often we'll sort of pinch ourselves, you know, we'll get out for lunch and it will take an hour and a half for lunch. And, you know, we can actually sort of run, takes us 15 minutes to get to the trail. We can run trail for an hour. 15 minutes back and, and we're done. And there's not many places in the world you can do that. Um, yeah. On a lunch break. Nice. So that uh, you do on the, these, uh, in these parks, do you have a pretty developed trail system? I mean, there's a lot of, lot many miles of trails that you guys can, can run on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's, there's heaps. Um, and so, you know, when you have you know, 7 million people living in such a little area, you know, they'll, they'll be the developed trails and, you know, that some of those, you know, unfortunately they can sort of concrete a few of those up. Um, yeah. But within that, you know, people are going to go lots of different ways. They, they end up creating trails. And so you, know, you can choose, you know, sort of proper buffed out or even concrete trail if you want to. Or you can actually, you know, go off the beaten track and you can go for a bit of bushwhacking if, if you want to try that. But there's everything, you know, there's sort of catch, you know, catch waters. There's obviously sort of hills, stairs, um, sort of some really nice contours. You know, Hong Kong's pretty steep. And so you've got no shortage of, of climbs if, if you're into that. So just so many options. Nice. So, uh, well, by the way, what what brought you to Hong Kong? I mean, how did you get? How, what's your journey to get there from from Australia? Yeah, I was um, basically just got offered a job here, um, and oh, okay. my previous job uh, had me sort of coming to Hong Kong a little bit. Um, my missus is is from Hong Kong, and so okay. yeah, the combination of all that sort of made sense. Um, you know, we didn't have kids, and so it was easy to travel and and you know, do something new. Um, and so we thought, let's let's give it a go, and here we are, ten years later. Nice, nice. So, so you, you, you there, you work, you work full time, uh, you do investments is what I saw, I think. Yep. Yep. Sort of working oh. an investment fund. So yeah, that's, that keeps me busy. And yeah, the last three months have been, uh, yeah, a little bit full on. Yeah. Dealing yeah. with the roller coaster of vert on your portfolios. And oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always yeah, interesting sort of waking up and sort of turning on the screen and like, okay, what did we do last night? <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, um, well, you're, you're a busy guy, man. So you do that. Now you ha- you have a store there, uh, in Hong Kong, right? A running store. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I've got a store called Gone Running, uh, which we set up in 2015. And okay. yeah, we just basically, you know, there were a lot of, I guess, sort of generic stores um, that were catering to, you know, to the, the road running and trail running audience. And you know, we wanted something that was a little bit more personal, a little bit more knowledgeable. Uh, and, you know, we've, we've worked hard to create this sort of community around the store over the last five years. And, yeah, we've, um, you know, we've I've got some really good partners and that's that's key um, because you know, I've got a full-time job and, you know, I obviously can't dedicate, you know, full-time. Um, but, yeah, I've got some great partners. Big shout, shout out to Jojo and Peter. And um, yeah, we've, we've, we're doing okay. You know, the last you know, few months have been difficult, obviously, with yeah. you know, sort of COVID restrictions. Obviously, we've had some protests here as well. But um, you know, we're, we're working hard. We've got, you know, fortunately, we've got a, I guess, a community of customers around us who, who keep supporting us. So big, big thank you to them. Um, and yeah, we're, we'll keep going and um, you know, sort of bringing some, some good new brands and you know, helping runners sort of love their running. 
That's awesome. Yeah, and and what's cool about trail running is community is pretty pretty important. It's something we can do alone, but it's it's awesome to have a a tribe, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that I've loved about being in this trail running community in Hong Kong. It's just yeah, it's it's kind of like my second family. And um, yeah, there's just something that I've never. You know, I've done a lot of different sports when I've been growing up, and I've just never had that tribe um, that I have in in trail running. It, it's pretty neat. And I, I love hearing that even, you know, in Hong Kong on the other side of the world. And you find that all over the place. You know, I've, I've talked to uh, to guys in uh, in the UK and it's the same thing. You know, it's just just a, a, a big community, but small communities all over the world that, you know, people yeah. just love running. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So so. um so not only do you 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 work full time in investment, you you've got a store, but you've also got um you you work with and you, know, you got your shirt on there that t8.run. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so t- tell me about tell me about t8.run. Uh, my listeners have been hearing me talk talk about the commandos a little bit, but tell me the story <laughs> on how that got started, man. Yeah, look, um, I mean, so T8, it's basically a, 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 it's a trail running um, apparel brand. Um, and so the idea is because we live in Hong Kong, you know, as we talked about, we've got that summer and it's really hot. It's really humid. Yeah, even when even during the winter, it's still pretty humid as well. And, you know, we just found a lot of the big sportswear brands didn't have, you know, what we wanted or what we thought was would be good for running in those sorts of you know tropical, tropical weather. So. And we thought, you know, let's let's develop some some stuff that works for us. And you know, if other people live in those conditions and they're looking for that, then they might like it as well. Um, the obvious one for us was was just underwear, because you know, if you're if you're a trail runner, if you, especially if you do the long stuff, you know, like there's nothing that can stop you in your tracks as much as chafing down there. So, you know, we'd had some experiences. Um, it's you know, I've started it with with Mark Green, who's who's originally from Canada, but he's been in in Hong Kong, I think, about six or seven years. And you know, both of us did this this challenge called the Hong Kong Four Trails Ultra Challenge. It's basically the four longest tra- or the four main trails in Hong Kong, uh, and you just do them back to back to back to back. It's about 300 kilometres, and it's about 14,000 metres of climbing. So wow. it's a bit of a mission. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, both of us had some some pretty big issues with chafing during the race. Um, this was probably about for me it was six years ago, five or six years ago, and at the time, I was using compression, and I remember sort of going up, you know, the second last peak, just having to take my shorts off, having to take my underwear off, and you know, I was basically wearing a T-shirt and nothing on the bottom, and, yeah, even then, I was still just killing me, and you know, stuff like that, you know, it changes you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it does. Scarred for life, man. Yeah, absolutely, and, you know, I always remembered it. Um, you know, Mark had some massive chafing issues as well, and, um, yeah, we've... We, we always sort of run together and caught up and we thought, you know, if we're going to start this, look, we think there's a real yeah, niche or sort of, you know, there's a real need on the market for, for basically some, some anti-chafe run, running underwear. So it's something that we worked on pretty hard. Um, it actually took us about 18 months to develop because you just got to test this properly. And I think you know, every time we sort of came up with a new prototype, if you want to do it justice, you've got to run 70, 80, 90 Ks. And so the testing yeah. process did take a long time, but we feel like, yeah, we came up with a pretty good product. Um, you know, we've had some, some really good feedback um, on it. You know, we've got yeah, some, some pretty good elite runners around the world and, and regular runners as well, giving us great feedback. Um, that was what we started on. And since then, we've been working on a few other products uh, as well. You know, we've got some, some Sherpa shorts which are basically some, some really lightweight, breathable running shorts, but at the same time, they've got an integrated running belt. So for guys and girls who like sort of running, you know, topless, 
uh, don't like wearing a backpack because it's pretty warm weather. Um, you can put all your gear, you know, your, your, your soft flask, your phone, your gels, you know, everything you can stick in that waist belt. And so you can run, you know, really cool, really, you know, really conveniently. And, um, yeah, that's, that's sort of where we've been. We've come out with a few products since then as well. But, um, yeah, the idea was basically just, you know, create something that's that good for runners in hot and humid conditions. Yeah, you, I mean, it was, yeah, find the need and, 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 and fill it. And I have to say, you know, um, um, before before I started, you know, talking about it on the podcast, I was like, I, I need to try these things. I don't want to, you know, I don't like putting things out that I that Absolutely. I don't believe in that I wouldn't try myself. And I, not not to sound weird, but man, you put them on and they're like, man, these are really feel good, <laughs> really <laughs> comfortable, man. And uh, yeah, and I've I've done some of my really humid runs and and you know like. Like like it says on the website, guaranteed chafe free and hadn't had any issues, man. That's that's awesome. Oh wow, that's yeah, it's really really good to hear. I mean that's that's what we're all about. We're just trying to solve problems and yeah, I mean that's yeah when that goes bad, it, it goes really bad. <laughs> yeah yeah, and I've had I've had some friends that had have DNF some some you know goal races just because yeah. of of chafing, especially down you know south where around here um, yeah. in south south United States where it's humid like there. I mean it's 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 an issue. It's a major yeah. issue. It's <laughs> Sometimes you you can't put enough nut butter on there to, to, to help. So, yeah. So, uh, well, that's man. So, so you've got all these things going on, and um, and how has I mean, you mentioned a little while uh, a little while ago, uh, you know, COVID and stuff. You guys are are in a different um, kind of yeah. You you didn't close down at all, right? During yeah, like we've we've sort of been pretty lucky here on the COVID stuff with Hong Kong. Um, and I think a lot of it, you know, we were on the border with China, and um, and so everyone went into panic mode you know, pretty early, pretty quickly. And I think in these situations, actually, panic was probably you know, a good strategy. Um, that there's a bit of history as well, because in 2003 there was SARS, and and Hong Kong yeah. got hit by it sort of worse than any other place. I think you know, it was small population, but we had 300 out of the 800 deaths globally. So people sort of panicked hard. Um, you know, everyone went sort of wearing face masks and the social distancing really quickly. And uh, you know, fortunately, it it sort of worked. I think we've we've only had uh, it, it's sort of been in the hundreds in terms of the number of infections. And I think in the last month, we've probably had five or six in total. So you know, we've you know, we had a, periods where some companies were you know making decisions on whether to send people to work or working from home. But as of today, you know, things are sort of quite normal. Um, hmm. you know, restaurants are open, bars are open, most people are going to work. And I feel like it gives us a bit of a sense about what it might be like for you guys. You know, and you know, if people are careful and you know, life's still a little, little bit different. Um, yeah. But it feels like it, it can work in terms of, you know, things getting back to normal. It's a slightly different normal, but things work. Everyone's getting ca- taxis and it, it's amazing actually to, to head out on a Friday night and you just walk past the bars and the bars are heaving and people are spilling out onto the street and, you know, the numbers, you know, fingers crossed and touching lots of wood right now um, you know, <laughs> under control here. So I'm hopeful that, you know, the countries that have had, you know, sort of decent lockdowns and get the numbers under control, I'm hopeful that, you know, they'll hopefully be able to reopen without things going, you know, too bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, uh, and and for us, every you know state is different. And here in Oklahoma, things uh, where I live now, things seem to be you know we're opening up and and things are you know semi normal. Like kind of like you said, you know, we're still wearing masks and a little bit of distancing, but things are opening up and it's 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 some relief. But boy, our our race season is still shot to yeah. head, man. It's always <laughs> yeah. yeah we're, we're the same here as well. Yeah. 
Really? Do y'all have any that are that are like coming up or any that, are, you know, is that starting up yet or is it still kind of? Eh? Yeah, it's it's sort of a bit unclear. We've still got a, a, a social distancing rule here about sort of maximum of um, eight people in a group. OK. Um, and uh, I think maybe for the wrong reasons, the government might keep that going for a little bit longer, um, yeah, maybe maybe a lot longer. But, um, you know, when you've got those sorts of rules, it's hard to have a, you know, a race of more than eight people. Uh, there, w- there is a race or a challenge, or I don't know what you call it, that I was looking forward to doing, which was obviously it's the the big boars backyard challenge here. Yeah. Um, and so this is the, the Hong Kong version of it. And you know, we actually last year you know, we had a guy called Will Haywood, who he's a pretty unassuming runner, sort of tall, gangly guy. You know, if you saw him, you wouldn't think that much. But um, yeah, he came second in the overall challenge, sort of uh, globally. So there's some good runners around Hong Kong, and you know, I was looking forward to you know just just hating myself for 48 <laughs> hours. Um, yeah. But, it, yeah, it's. I don't know if that's going to be able to take place. And, you know, we, we could be like the rest of the world and, you know, maybe we're off for another three months. You know, we just had an update from Asia Trail Masters for 2020 and it doesn't look like they've got any races, you know, in their competition uh, for the next three months either. So I think things are going to take a little bit of time just to, yeah, to start cranking up again. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what, what, what I, I mean – it's good that you had a good 2019 because 2020 is, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like it's yeah, been just a crazy year. But yeah, like we've been lucky here in Hong Kong. I, I see a lot of my friends on Facebook and I'm, I reckon they've turned a little bit more pasty and maybe slightly chubbier in the last couple of months. But <laughs> yeah, so it would have been nice to race them right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. No, that's mean. That's mean. <laughs> Well, you know what's crazy? It's it's funny because I have I have friends that are uh, some of them who who are kind of like that who you know lose the motivation and stuff. And I, I don't know. I just I always like to train. That's just part of kind of you know yeah. I, I got to get out and do stuff. So now 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 for you you're from what I understand you're kind of you, you mentioned it earlier a serial racer like you you race a lot normally right. Yeah, we've got this prolific scene here. So, you know, because you've got 7 million people basically in a, let's call it an area of 50 kilometres by 50 kilometres, and yeah. 70% of that is country park. So you've just got so many options every weekend. Um, you've got the population to support and obviously the trail system. And so during the racing season, which is called sort of October through to March, six months, you can probably do, if you wanted to, maybe five races every weekend, <laughs> you know, there's there's guys who've been known to do the week the Moon Trekker weekend triple, which is the Moon Trekker 50k's on the Friday night, uh, then they go do the Rally Challenge, which is 78k's on the Saturday, then there might be a sort of an MC Action Asia race on 50k on the Sunday. So if you want to do that, you can. Um, you know, that's probably a little bit too much for me, but you know, if it's it's you know you can do you know 50k race or, or more every weekend. You know, you're traveling half an hour to get there, half an hour back. It's just so easy. And so, you know, when you can do that and you really enjoy the racing side, it um, doesn't really leave you know, much room for training after a little bit of a taper and a little bit of a recovery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding, man. Well, that's and, and, you know, that's that's really beneficial for you guys to be able to, you know, to be able to do that and race as much It's and around here, it's getting a lot better to find races, but, uh, but man, that's, that's, you know, a lot of them, you gotta, I do uh, a lot of road marathons and stuff as training for my ultras and things like that, you know, to fill in the gaps, but man, I love the trails much, you know, much prefer the trails. (laughs) No, absolutely. And, but I'm with you, you know, there's nothing like a road marathon just to work on your speed endurance and just, yeah. that that sort of pure sort of red line <laughs> just sort of holding it for that last hour man it's hard 
Yeah, yeah. So, so when you, um, so when you, when you, uh, in 2019, when you won the the Asia Trailmaster Champion. So, uh, if I remember reading right, you went into, um, uh, you know, you got to get a certain amount of points. I guess your five uh, best finishes, and you did. You ended up having to do another race the week after you did a race and it was a hundred miler in, was it in Bangkok or something or where? Yeah, it was in in Northern Thailand. Yeah. So yeah, the last, and this is the thing for anyone thinking about it. You you can't stress the importance of getting points on the board early because I think everyone just, you know, sort of, sort of thinks, yeah, I'll do five or six races. And then you have a couple of duds in there. So you have to do some more. And then as you get towards the end, everyone starts doing the maths on, well, you know, if this guy wins this race and this race, well, he can still overtake me. And, you know, it's probably not going to happen, but you've invested so much in the season that you just want to take the maths out and you want to take out that last little probability. And so I yeah, went to this, this race called um, the Punisher um, in Davao Island, Davao Island in the Philippines. And actually it's, it, the course itself was actually, it's kind of a fun course. It's not, not the hardest race, but the weather, like it's just, it was 35. It was just so hot, so humid and sort of went out a little bit hard. And I mean, yeah, in the, in the end, the race did punish me pretty hard and yeah, I, was, <laughs> yeah. I, I was a mess on the way back and yeah, I sort of finished third, which is okay. But yeah, when I got to sort of 20 Ks to go, I actually sort of pulled the pin and said, look, yeah, it's, it's not going to happen today. So sort of you run around the coast. I jumped into the water for about sort of 20 minutes, just to try and cool off a little bit and walked it in. Yeah. Um, but it's like, okay, well, yeah, I needed those points. And so yeah, there's only two weeks of the season to go. Okay. So let's try the next race. And that was, yeah, sort of, um, ultra panoramic in, uh, around sort of, um, Pai in Northern Thailand. So yeah, that was a miler. Yeah. Tough to do a miler a week after doing, you know, getting your, <laughs> your ass handed to you in an 80 K trail race. But, um, yeah, ended up doing that completely screwed up at the start line. Just forgot my gels. Um, oh, so love- no. And I love the spring gels. They're really good for my stomach, um, but just missed them. And so I ended up getting to the first checkpoint, and I had some pretty pretty crazy food. Um, it was pretty off-piste. And so I'm sort of, you know, okay, it's cream cake. All right, I'll try some of that. And then the next one's like, oh, coconut hamburger. I'll try some of that. And, yeah, paid the price about sort of halfway. My stomach was doing somersaults. And in the end, um, yeah, I ended up getting to about 100Ks, sort of doing a massive number two. Yeah. I don't know, this is probably too much information but just it just it's cleared tra- the system trail running man it's trail running it's, it's all good <laughs> <laughs> and at that point I actually just felt really good and I've been holding back just trying to survive and yeah ended up sort of finishing pretty well but yeah it was just that last bit of the season where you're doing race after race after race just trying to get more points just it was it was crazy but um yeah all that training in Hong Kong doing the back-to-back races you know puts you in good stead and yeah, you know, I think with that, it's it is you know the old saying that you know if you don't break yourself, it'll only make you stronger. Um, I think it's probably true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you said you did pretty well, but you you won that one. You won the hundred miler. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Managed, I yeah. managed to win, and I was pretty broken at the end. Uh, I'll, yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, managed to do enough on the day. So I was pretty pretty pleased to to lock the the, the championship down. So, so when you're not in race season, um, what is your, I mean, what, what kind of training philosophy do you have? Uh, I mean, like, do you, um, I mean, do you, do you do high mileage? Do you, uh, what are you doing when you're not during race season racing often? Yeah, look, um, I mean, at this point, um, I guess big shout out to my coach. So I've got a coach called Andy Dubois, who's over at mile 27, uh, down okay. in Australia. And, uh, like I just, he worked, I work with him really well because, 
I think the great thing about him is he, he personalizes everything, and I am just an absolute terror to <laughs> to, uh, to coach. I I probably don't listen as much as I should, and I kind of like doing my own thing. But he he works with me. He tells me which sessions are you know the two important sessions, and and we talk a little bit about near term goals, and you know. He doesn't try to sort of micromanage me and just tells me, you know, these are the ones you got to do. What it, like, you know, let's talk about general, general sort of targets for the rest of the week, and, and it works pretty well. Um, but for me, during the off season, it's probably just it's volume. You know, for me, if, if I can run 150 k's, you know, with a decent amount of vert per week, um, yeah. just the weight falls off and the running just starts to feel really easy. And then I'll sort of work in a few sort of speed sessions, you know, one or two sort of really good speed sessions a week. And if I do that for eight weeks, you know, that's sort of my, you know, my race build up these days. Yeah. And so, yeah, with, you know, with the stress of, you know, my day job, you know, the running for me is, is a bit of a, a de-stressor. Um, yeah, the last, yeah, eight weeks I've, I've been sort of doing those sorts of Ks and, I now feel like, you know, I've sort of got the prom dress on, but the, you know, the prom's just been cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. It's it, a lot of people feeling that way. Do, have yeah. y'all done, a, do y'all have any, uh, any virtual races around there? I know a lot of people have been finding solace in doing a few virtual races here and there. Yeah, I mean, we've got uh, a couple coming up. Um, there's sort of a, a run challenge over here, which is uh, it's a charity for, for sort of helping refugees through sport. And so they've got this sort of volume. It's kind of like teams of five who can do the most distance in a, in a week. We've got that coming up in about a week. Uh, there's another one from Sportalicious down in Malaysia. It's across Asia. They've got another similar sort of thing, you know, get into teams of, I think this one's teams of four and then see what you can do. And then you know, it's been amazing just to see just the ingenuity of people you know, doing some of these sort of you know, couch challenges and you know, just ridiculous people sort of running you know, 100Ks in loops around their you know, five-meter-long living room and yeah, just, crazy. just really <laughs> nuts stuff. And I, I take my hat off to everyone who's done that. It's just, just been that you know, absolutely crazy but at the same time super inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, to see, yeah, we, we've got, uh, some guys that were working on a record, uh, Michael Ortiz here, who's been running hundred milers and trying to do a hundred weeks of hundred milers. And he's done some around his living room on cardboard and, uh, and he's done some on treadmill and, uh, you know, and until things open back up, he, I think he did three or four on a treadmill. He'd even did one of them a hundred miles backwards on a treadmill running oh, back. Wow. Yeah. I don't That's even, <laughs> yeah, he's not I mean, right in the head. He's, imagine what <laughs> Imagine what it's going to be like when he starts running trail again. It's just going to be like trail heaven. Oh yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Yeah. Well, well, so you you get to, I mean, you get to run on the trails a lot more. Like a lot of us have to do training on the road, and on weekends we try to hit the trails. So, do you do um, cross training and stuff, to, or, or do you find that just running on the trails themselves just help you with that? I mean, I'll sort of vary up the training, and um, I guess I'm a bit of a Lydiard guy in terms of you know 80% slow, 20% fast, um, but. To be honest, I don't have that much time for the other stuff. Um, but one of the things I like to try to make time for is I'm part of this sort of team. You know, with Gone Running, we've we've teamed up with one of the local physios. Um, so Joint Dynamics here in Hong Kong, and um, yeah, they've they fixed me. Um, yeah, as you can imagine, trail runners, um, especially ultra runners, are a good target market for a physio. <laughs> we, oh, yeah. oh yeah, break ourselves a lot, especially with you know the trail scene being you know just so crammed of races, and uh, you know they've. You know, they sponsor you know, our team and you know, they've got this weekly session on Wednesdays, which involves you know, a lot of sort of you know, running specific strength exercises. And so that's sort of the main thing that I'll try and do. 
uh, you know, I'm lucky enough that actually I don't really get injured too much. And this is the point at which in three days' time I'm going to do something absolutely <laughs> horrible. Knock on wood, brother. <laughs> yeah, like given yeah, the, the lack of sleep, the amount of volume I do, yeah, I'm, I've been really lucky. And, yeah, I'm starting to get a little bit older as well. And I think, you know, one of the things is, you know, doing this sort of, you know, strength conditioning, um, you know, this especially very runner tailored um, with the guys at Joint Dynamics, I think that really helps to, you know, with the injuries and, yeah, and so that's something that I do that I work on and it does make me stronger at the hills, going up, going down and just generally feeling, feeling better about my running. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm 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 a I'm a few years older than you are, and and I notice I've I've got to try to I've got to make time. I hate doing that extra stuff, yeah. but I got to make time for it. But uh, you know, it's because injuries suck. So oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So so um. You are okay. You got you got your hands in all these things. Um, you know you're you're running like crazy. You're training. You you've got you know you, your full time job. You the store. You got T eight that run. You got all these things pulling you, and um, you've also got a, a toddler at home. You've got a wife at home. How do you? Uh, hey, look, I'm I'm a dad, and and you know I balance is tough. How do yes, you absolutely. how do you manage that? I mean, because you you know uh, we want to be good at all those things. Yep. And uh, so, so you know, how do you manage those things? Yeah, it's a really good question, and it's it's been yeah, I've that sort of transition to getting there hasn't been you know mistake free. I've, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way, and we tried things they didn't work. Um, I think you know a lot of it's just trying to create time where you didn't have time, and so you know. I, I guess I'm I'm getting used to sort of five or six hours sleep a night. Yeah, there's a good way. I think on the running <laughs> side, I've just we've kind of got to a deal with the misses where you know the weekends are family time, and I'll try not to run on the weekends. And so, yeah, I've got to try and find that running time during the week. And so, you know, I, I try and run to work. I try and run home. Yeah, I can sort of head up to the hills. And so, if I can do. Yeah, you know, so 10, 15 k's in the morning, 10, 15 k's at night. You know, before you know it, you know, you've done your sort of 100 to 150 actually during the week. Um, I've got to deal with the misses where Friday nights I can sort of do whatever I like. And I think for a lot of people that would be sort of hitting the bars. But, you know, I'm, I'm that sad guy who's you know, run sort of 70 k's on a Friday night and sitting outside the 7-Eleven sipping a Gatorade at 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah, putting a headlamp on and hitting the trails. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you just try and, you know, sort of work around it. Yeah, you try and, you know, as you said, you want to do a good job at all of that, especially with the the kids. But um, yeah, it's just trying to trying to be efficient with your time and you know you know doubling up where you can. You know, when I'm doing some of these runs, I'll be listening to work podcasts and yeah, you. It's not quite as fun as listening to some good tunes, but you make it work and yeah, it, it becomes a bit normal. Yeah, yeah, try and I, I do, yeah, do the same. Uh, that's my 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 me time running and and list catching up on podcasts and and everything else when I'm getting the miles in. Try to multitask. <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, and, and I probably should actually shout out to the misses right now because like, yeah, she's a much much better parent than me. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I know that she knows that, and uh, yeah, this couldn't work without her support, um, especially on the family side. So yeah, to Elaine, like you're amazing. I love you, and thank you so much for everything. Yeah, man, you got to do it. I, I had a conversation with a guy I ran with this weekend, and we we've got to our wives um, allow us to to be able yeah. to do what we do, and uh, and yeah, they make sacrifices, you know, Completely. so that we can we can get out there and do our running, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It just wouldn't work without them. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's awesome, man. So I, I, I was looking at your um your your ultra sign up, and 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 you know just just looking over it, and you've done a lot of races, um you know in in your corridor there, and and but you've also done UTMB. Have you done it twice? I think I saw. 
Yeah, I did UTMB twice. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about how the, I mean, the difference in where you're, you know, running in the area you are now and then going to UTMB. How, how was that, man? How was that transition? Uh, you know, how did that feel? What was that like? Yeah. I mean, I've got a bit of, I've raced, I've raced UTMB twice, TDS once. Both UTMBs okay. were actually duds in terms of performances. Um, it's just, it's hard because, you know, I think UTMB is usually late August and you just, there's no race season here, so you're training through summer. It's it's hard to get the volume simply because you're out there for three or four hours here in Hong Kong, and you're actually just completely drained. You know, I've, yeah. I've done you know, little experiments, and you know, during the summer, if I'm running at a decent pace, I'll, I'll lose two liters of sweat every hour, and I can only drink sort of 800 mils before I start feeling bloated. So you're kind of running on a countdown um, in those sorts of yeah. that sort of weather, unless you want to just really slow down a lot and take a few breaks. So I've never really been at UTMB in great shape. And then I don't deal with elevation that well as well. It, it's, it's a little bit hit and miss. And so, yeah, both times I've I've had sort of duds. The, the first time, you know, was just crazy on that second night. Just uh, I just – Went a little bit crazy just thinking I was in a dream and then I'd, I'd done the course before, but the course was going the wrong way and I was seeing things and it was just all a little bit nuts. Um, but yeah, I, third time around I did TDS and had a better result, um, just just approached it a bit more, a bit better. Did a couple of almost sort of training weekends where I would go somewhere sort of high altitude. We went, we've been places like Taiwan, Chengdu, you know, really get in, you know, sort of 200Ks over, over four or five days and you get a little bit of that altitude training as well and had a better result there. But yeah, it's, it's just tough, you know, and it's the same with, you know, Europeans and North Americans coming to, to Hong Kong for, you know, our Ultra Trail World Tour race, Hong Kong 100 in January because it's off season for those guys as well. And you really appreciate that, yeah, it's an awesome race and the atmosphere is great, um, but just really difficult to do it properly if you're not kind of in the in the time zone and in the area. Yeah. So so there in Hong Kong, uh, your elevation, y- y'all are at around sea level. I mean, base base elevation and stuff. Okay. Yeah, like pretty much they've built you know skyscrapers basically everywhere they can, which is basically you know, all the flat land, including quite a lot of reclaimed land, and then you know, everything else is kind of just sort of steep hills that haven't really been able to build on. Um, we don't have big hills. You know, we've got a, a few mountains that are sort of up to about sort of a thousand, like a, a kilometer high. We've got a couple of yeah. VK races here, um, but just generally doesn't get higher than that. And you can go across the border into Shenzhen, and they've they've got a couple of hills that are a little bit taller. But yeah, you just you don't quite get sort of the really big climbs that you do in in North America or Europe. Um, yeah, it's probably the only thing missing from the scene here. Yeah. Hey, I, I can relate to the struggle because everywhere I've lived has been been sea level in Louisiana and here in Oklahoma. And then when I go to race in Colorado or Tahoe or, you know, man, the, the heart heart rate is, you know, right away, it's 10 beats more per minute. And just, yeah. just it's hard to it's hard to describe to somebody who's never had to deal with with elevation, man. It's yeah. it, it, it's a booger, man. <laughs> like, where'd <Yeah>. my wind go? <laughs> <laughs> but whenever I'm just yeah, starting to sort of have a bit of a wind, Joe. I think about some of my friends in Singapore and, you know, big hats off to them. You know, their their highest hill, I think, is Bukit Timah, which I think is about 180 metres high. Oh, so, wow, you know, yeah. Those guys are, you know, heading off to you know, climb, you know, do races in the Alps, and they just, you know, they've just been sort of flat running the whole time, basically. It's, you know, and they, and they still do well. So, yeah, you can make it work. Well, in, in so in your um – I, I would guess in your in your running career, I mean, I guess last year, I mean, last year you should be pretty pretty proud of what you achieved last year. What has that been kind of like your you know the thing you're most proud of uh, in your running career so far? I, I think so. Um, you know, I think 
when you look back, you know, the things that you're most proud of are probably the things that you worked the hardest for. Yeah. And yeah, I had to work really hard. I had a, you know, just trained really hard, had a couple of sort of key, key race moments as well, where I just dug ridiculously deep. Um, and if I think back to the whole sort of season in particular, there was one race called Ultra Trail Chang Rai, which was, uh, I think it was about 125 Ks. It was basically a, a face-off with you know, the guy who ended up coming second. But I think at the time he might've been coming first. And you know, we ran together for a big chunk of it. And really, you know, it's Northern Thailand, so it was hot, it was humid. You know, both of us had been putting in. And you know, we got to 20 Ks to go. And you know, I didn't we not want it to be a, a sort of sprint out because yeah, I'm not very good at sprinting. So you know, we sort of decided to make a move on this sort of flat bit of road section. Uh, that was 20 Ks to go. And you know, I'm sort of doing some four-minute Ks. He's coming with me. He's looking pretty good. He sort of leans over and says, you know, I'm a 2.30 marathoner. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't played this well at all. And so I thought, nice. well, I'm committed now, so let's just keep going. So we ran a couple of Ks. We got into the checkpoint. This is the last checkpoint with about, I think, sort of, yeah, maybe 17, 18 Ks to go. And I thought, look, let's just go for it. I'm skipping the checkpoint. Um, I'm going to try and make, get a little break on him and let's see what happens. So actually made him skip the checkpoint as well because he came with me. We went straight into a hill. We both started running up that. Then I got into a really steep hill. And just it was probably one of the hardest race experiences just to keep running that when it steepened up. You know, he sort of came off. But yeah, effectively, we both completely broke ourselves at that point. No water for the next sort of 16, 17 Ks. It's 35 degrees. And both of us just were in pieces at the end. But... Yeah, I sort of look back at the season and things that I'm proud of, and it's probably that point, just you know, digging deep and then sort of taking out the shovel and digging some more. And, yeah, like you look back on those situations and, yeah, it was just crazy. That last 15 Ks was absolute hell to get back. But, but it's, yeah, completely worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, no kidding. Yeah, that's sort of one of the things I think back on. And there's been a few other things. Um, you know, just Hong Kong 100 a few years back, I had a really good result and you know, sort of – yeah, that was great. And then there's also a race here called Nine Dragons, um, which has a, a 50 mile on the Saturday, then a 50k on the Sunday, and you've got cumulative times. And there's some some really good Japanese runners in town, and yeah, I sort of ended up winning the first day, but then they sort of raced ahead on the second day, and so you don't know, you know, am I winning net? Are they winning net? And so you just couldn't stop. And I had a few issues, but just kept pushing all the way through to the end. And yeah, it turned into a bit of a crybaby at the finish line, but <laughs> yeah, managed to pull out the win. And and that one was special as well because the race director is a guy called Steve Carr, who's who's a really good friend of mine. So yeah, to be able to do well at a you know, a race that you know means so much to your mates um, was really good too. So and having my family there at the finish line as well, that's. That's definitely why the tears were there and not because I'm a crybaby. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. man, no. When, when, when you put in the work like that, yeah, 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 the emotions get raw sometimes, man. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard. I have to remind ourselves because we kind of surround ourselves, you know, with, with other runners and stuff. But people, uh, most people in general don't understand the the pain cave, you know, yeah, and, yep. and 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 the how we as humans, man, we – there's always – always there always seems to be more you know um when you think you've like you said you keep digging yep you just keep digging and and you just find that yeah that human spirit's ridiculously resilient um but yeah you've also got to sort of work it as well and yeah there's times when you're in a race where you know there's 24 hours to go and you're in a a hole and if you start thinking about that 24 hours man it can get pretty (laughs) depressing but um yeah yeah baby steps you know the salami technique um yeah you, you figure out techniques right yeah, that's it. That's it. One step at a time, one mile at a time, whatever you can do. Yeah, so. absolutely. 
So um, you, you've, you've had this, all these experiences and you've done uh, a lot of these races. Now, have you gone back and done any um, – you've been out of Australia for a while. Have you – I know there's, there's there's a 200 in Australia now, and I know that there are some other ultras. Have you have you gone back and done any, any races, I guess, back home or back where you're from? No, not for a while. Not for a while. I did Ultra Trail Australia um, back when okay. it was North Face. Uh, I think it might have been like 2013 or so. And okay. Yeah, that was before I was training with Andy, um, my coach, and then, yeah, I wasn't sort of, uh, I guess, it wasn't quite at the level I am today, and I still had a really good race, and um, yeah, really enjoyed it, but the way I figure is, you know, I might end up back in Australia, and at that point, there's probably plenty of time to, yeah, to go do some racing, and at the moment, you know, the world's just such a big place. There's a lot of things to, to see and do, you know, in my neighborhood yeah. here in Asia, so I want to try and, you know, really do that well, and I think, you know, ultra running is one of those amazing sports where you can actually do it, you know, as you get older. Um, yeah. yeah. And in some ways, you know, some people actually even get better. You know, they get a bit smarter and, you know, those fast twitch muscles turn into slow twitch muscles and you can keep going for longer. So I think, you know, if we end up back in Australia, I'll definitely be trying to do some of these. Um, got a good mate down in, in Perth, you know, where I grew up. And you know, he's organizing this sort of ultra series WA. And that's just crazy for me because when I was growing up, there was zero trail. And now... You know, with guys like him, um, you know, Sean Kessler, he's, you know, there's, you know, sort of 20, 30 races, you know, around sort of my old stomping ground. So, you know, if, if I end up moving there or Sydney or whatever, I, I just can't wait to actually try some of those and, you know, see, you know, where I grew up and, you know, some of the amazing trails trails around there. Yeah. <laughs> You, you're talking about these these series, and you know it's it's pretty neat because there's not a whole lot of that here in the United States of all you know these series and points, and it sounds like it it just adds an extra level. Like you can go in and like win a race, but or you can also get in and and try to you know win the series. It adds so much such a dynamic to it, you know, and an involvement. And um, I don't know, it's kind of like a you know like a Super Bowl, a local. You know, <laughs> I, I, I like that. I like that. It sounds like it. It sounds fun, you know. Yeah. You can you can do it if you want. To. That's the choice, you know. You can just go race a race, and you know that's just a normal race. It's fun. Or if you want to do the series, you know, everyone has their own little rivalries as well. Um, yeah, and and it's good. It's not just the you know the people at the front. That there's age categories as well, and so there's there's really something for everyone. Yeah, yeah. So if you had to uh, if you had to choose uh, a, a certain race distance that you felt that just kind of that's your bread and butter that you're good at that um, that you had to focus on. I mean, where where do you feel your strength is in that? Yeah, I mean, honestly and unfortunately, it's probably milers. And to okay. be honest, I don't I don't enjoy the milers as much as you know, <laughs> seventy to hundred k's. That's probably yeah. what I enjoy the most because you know, there's enough time to sort of you know to get into the race. You know, I find the first three hours are kind of a little bit of nervous energy, and then after that, you almost get into this sort of zen feeling where you know the trails flow and the time flows, and you you start thinking really deep about your life. And I really enjoy that part. And obviously, you know the trails are just you know the trails are amazing to be a part of and to experience as well. But then you know the 70 to 100 k's give you time to get into it. But you do it, you know, you're running the whole time. You, you can sort of push and yeah, that's that's the part I enjoy. Unfortunately, I, I kind of feel like I've just, I've, I, I can dig deep. And so I tend to do better at the milers. But then, you know, with most milers, they do degenerate a little bit into you know, sort of walking competitions to a certain extent. You know, you're still running bits, but there's, you know, there's more, more walking and, and, you know, they can be really grindy. So 
there's something funny that happens. You know, we always look back on the milers and we think, man, that was amazing. But I think at the time, you know, there's some low moments that somehow you just brain plays tricks on you. It's like, no, that didn't happen. You love the whole thing. <laughs> and so, yeah, to answer your question, I think milers are probably my sweet spot, but 70 to 100Ks is probably what I enjoy the most. Well, with that being said, is there is there a certain uh, a certain race or, or that that you haven't done yet that you would really like, you know, so anywhere in the world that you'd be like, man, I'd really like to get in and, and just do this race and test my metal at it. Is there is there a certain one? Do you know, I, I didn't get it for many years, but just I've had a few friends who've been lucky enough to get into Western States in the last um, few years, and they've just come back raving about it, just the whole experience and and so forth. And I, I often sort of looked at the course and didn't, just didn't think it looked that interesting. But, yeah, you sort of see pictures of, you know, just yeah, and just the overall feel of everything and the support you get. And, yeah, it's just such an iconic race. And I think that's the one I think now that I'd, I would love to do. I, 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 got, I got in last year, and uh, it was uh, – you probably year for the weather, right? Yeah, it was still hot, man. Everybody's like, "Oh, it was." So, I, was I talked with uh, Jeff Browning. Degrees, not fifty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked with Jeff Browning, and he was like, "Oh, that was uh, that was so cold." And I was like, "I was dying in the canyons, man." Trying to, <laughs> it was rough. It was rough, but but yeah, you would probably uh, you probably do really well out there, man, because of the you know used to the some of the the heat and uh, you know just grinding out some of those miles. And uh, yeah. anyway, yeah, it's 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 cool, man. It's cool. Hopefully, you can uh, maybe get to experience that in the next few years. If we start racing again, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think it's, I'm sure we've got to get there. So yeah, it's it's interesting now. Even in Hong Kong, they've had a few races who have sort of launched and you know maybe having dates in October or November, and you can already see that they're they're starting to think about sort of post-COVID ways. So you know, thinking about the idea of having sort of staggered starts, and so you know, eight people you know every two minutes. And then, you know, in terms of the, you know, the checkpoints might be sort of, you know, single serve food. So, you know, things like, you know, sort of dive in there and sort of, you know, grab, you know, the bit of orange or, you know, the peanut butter sandwich that's sort of in there with all the other peanut butter sandwiches. So, yeah, things might have to change a little bit for a while, but, you know, hopefully we find a vaccine and, you know, things get back to normal. Yeah, 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 big time, big time. So uh, I, I was reading a, a little bit uh, about you before we got on here, and I know we're getting close to, to end time here, but I have to ask. I saw that your nickname is the Naked Runner. <laughs> Some, somewhere I read that Naked Runner was in quotes next to your name. So what's up with that, man? Yeah, like I just, I just don't like t-shirts. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like just here when you know, when you're in sort of hot and humid weather, it's yeah, you, you yeah. just want to get as naked as you can, and every extra bit of layer of clothing is you know is insulating you and uh, keeping that heat in. So, yeah, look, I'll um I'll generally run without a t-shirt. Um, I've probably got the most sensitive nips out there. If I put a t-shirt on and yeah, you know, I wear it for five k's, I, I can get some really bad chafing there. For five k. Um, <laughs> yeah, just these these nips just aren't used to it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, yeah, that's just, I guess what I've always done. Um, so yeah. And there's been probably a couple of times where it was maybe a little bit too much. Um, I think probably four or five years ago, we had Hong Kong 100, uh, here and just, I made a bad call at the start line. We, we had a polar vortex coming through, so really unseasonably weather. And, you know, it actually got down to sort of negative five, negative six on the top of one of the, the hills during the course. And it was actually crazy because in Hong Kong, we never get uh, we never get snow. We don't even get frost. And yeah. so for this race, actually, right at the end, you've got to climb over Taimo Shan, which is, is about 970 metres high. And because it was negative five, you actually had frost and people in Hong Kong hadn't seen that. So the last four Ks is actually running down the road from Taimo Shan. 
and the whole road was actually turned into just a car park because everyone wanted to come see the frost. And this was our race course. Yeah. Um, and it actually was just, it was a crazy situation because people ended up getting stuck up there because then it rained and then you had ice on the road and it was just treacherous and all a bit crazy. But I made a bad decision at the start of the race to actually run without a top. And I'd sort of regretted it pretty soon afterwards. But in a lot of ways, <laughs> it was good psychologically because it keeps you pushing hard. It's like, okay, I'm yeah. cold. What can I do? Okay, just, just keep running. Just keep running. But at the end, I you know, had to see a doctor. I, I'm probably the only person in Hong Kong who's gotten frostbite. And I oh, actually no. ended up losing, losing a bit of feeling in a couple of my fingers for about two or three months. And <laughs> which is, yeah, so... Yeah, there's times when you shouldn't run naked, but I think yeah, most of the time in Hong Kong, and especially Asia, you can get away with it, and it does help you to, to stay cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so I always like to ask, um, you know, everybody, you know, especially runners like accomplished like you are, like w- w- what kind of equipment you use and different things like that. So the first thing, but I'll, uh, you said you use Spring Energy uh, gels and stuff when you're when you're yeah. racing. So for me, Tailwind and Spring Energy. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. The I mean, Tailwind's just so easy for me, um, and just you know, to be able to drink your calories, yeah, it's yeah. so easy in your stomach. And the same with Spring as well. It's uh, just yeah, it's all natural, and I, I love the texture there. It just it tastes like food, as uh-huh. opposed to yeah, some of the sort of plasticky stuff you get. I, I did. Uh, I used Spring Energy when I did the treadmill challenge last December, 100 miles on. Yeah, and I, I used Spring Energy for it as a kind of a test, and yeah, it was it was great. It was yeah, yeah to- love the love the stuff. So, um, so what do you uh, what do you prefer? I, I I did look at your Strava, and I noticed you know, I mean, you have you, you part owner of a run store, so you got your play at the shoes, man. And I know you can't, yeah. you know, but what are your I guess your top couple uh, trail shoes? What do you what do you enjoy wearing right now? Yeah, probably sort of two that stand out. Um, like Hong Kong, there's a lot of hard surfaces. So whether yeah. it's sort of the concrete or the stairs or sort of the volcanic rock underneath, we don't have a lot of that, you know, really nice sort of, you know, forest soft, you know, sort of pine trails. But so things are a little bit hard here. So I'm a big fan of the the Hocker Evo Mafatis. Um, okay. Just really good cushioning, but at the same time, they're still you know, reasonably responsive for a, for a maximal shoe. And then I love the Ultra Timps as well. Just yeah. a, lot of, a lot of space up in the forefront. They're super comfortable. Um, yeah, so you can sort of run on those sort of all day. Nice, nice. I'm, I'm an Ultra guy, so I appreciate that. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> That's no, great. no, no. That, that, but you're yeah. right. You know, we, we see everything in the store, and you know, I've tried so many brands, and, and those are the two sto- you know, shoes that I come back to. And yeah, I'm, I'm really going through a bit of a, an ultra temp phase at the moment as well. Nice, nice. Do you wear a pack any, uh, like especially for your hundred milers or anything? Nope, no. Nope. And uh, that's one of the the great things. I so I'm, I'm a big fan, obviously, the TH Sherpa shorts. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah I've, you know, it takes a bit of smart packing, and um, yeah, but you know, I, I'll manage to get basically the required, you know, the mandatory gear, um, sort of in my shorts. And nice. Yeah, so it takes a little bit of packing, and um, uh, I figured out how to do it. But yeah, basically any run that I'll go, whether it's a 10k training run or you know, sort of a miler, um, I'll generally get everything in my shorts, and then you know, then you can run sort of naked, and you can really feel free. Nice, nice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to. I've tried the commandos, and I'm gonna have to try the shirt, those shirt for shorts. I'm gonna have to give those a shot. And see how they yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, big fans of them. Nice, nice. Is there anything else that that any that you use or anything else you want to give a shout out to? I, I'll definitely uh, come in and uh, put put links to to t8 dot run and uh, you know because I definitely want folks to check all that out. But is there anything else that you use that's that's kind of your go to when you're racing? I mean, the big thing for me is probably just music. Um, I'm just a, a big music guy. It's just 
I, I'm just kind of emotional to the music as well. And so, yeah, yeah. I can use it strategically. Yeah, I love starting a race, you know, it's sort of quite social. You can talk to people. But just yeah. being able to pull out some of your favorite tunes when things get tough is just, yeah, such a lift. Um, so for me, I've got this really neat setup where I've got one of those old iPod Nanos. Um, yeah. Because we sweat a lot here, I, I, I broke so many before I realized that you could get them waterproofed. And so I've got this little waterproofed um, iPod Nano, which you know, is, is designed to go swimming with or whatever. Uh, I've got these little sort of short short cord earphones. And, yeah, the combination, you, I sort of stick it in my T8 trucker and, and off you go. And, yeah, it just works really well. That's probably the, um, yeah, the other main thing for me. Nice, nice. Well, well, John, I know uh, I know you're you're short on time, and uh, man, I'm glad we finally got together. And thank you so much for for uh, I don't know, just giving us a little window into the scene there because it's it's literally foreign to us, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, it's a delight to sort of you know be on the podcast, and um, yeah, it's been really fun, and yeah, just telling a little bit about you know trail running in in Hong Kong and Asia. Yeah, well, thank you so much, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll see you doing some big things soon, man. Yeah, and, and hopefully, yeah, it's sort of things sort of open up for all of us. I think we're all sort of itching and, yeah, getting sort of, um, yeah, sort of couch fever. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Well, you take care, man, and you have a great day out there. And uh, tend to that precious little girl that was uh, <laughs> hanging at the door. Will <laughs> do. Awesome. Thanks very much, David. All right. Take care, man. All Bye-bye. right. Cheers. Bye. There it is, all the way from Hong Kong, guys. Uh, how about that? John Ellis. Uh, check it out, man. I'll have uh, links in the show notes. Uh, go to t8.run. Check out the products they have uh, straight out of Hong Kong. And uh, I'll, I'll also post his uh, social media links and, and uh, other websites information on him. If you just go to the show notes and go to www.runtheriot.run. Hope you guys are having a good week. Hope you're getting your running in this weekend. And uh, man, just be blessed. Have a good time and talk to you soon. Bye-bye.